Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Living Hope Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information about our church, please visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the privilege and the opportunity and the responsibility of being part of a larger church family. And um, God, that is, that's a gift to us. Lord, that helps us, um, keeps us in line. Lord, it allows us to engage with and partner in other ministries that would otherwise be too big for us. And so God, we do pray for our broader um, Mennonite brethren community. Lord, that, uh, that in this denomination, God, that you would be glorified, that you would be honored, that your kingdom would expand. God, thank you for um, the, the generosity of Ken and, and being willing to come and share this morning. And Lord, as he prepares to preach and bring us your word, Lord, that uh, every word he speaks would be uh, a gift from you to us and that you would be speaking through him. And uh, Lord, we are so very grateful. We're grateful for your spirit. We're grateful for your word and for your presence, for the gift of salvation uh, and the gift of community. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Well, it is a delight to be here at your church here in Henderson. I feel that I belong in the sense that my great-great-grandfather started the Faith EBC Church. My great-grandfather was also one of the pastors there. The Epp families, my grandma and my mom grew up here in Henderson. My dad did too. And now Rachel, great-great-great-granddaughter is youth pastor. What a deal. And we can come in here and retire and, and just be a part of this community. We're very thankful for that. By the way, how many of you got an extra hour of sleep? How many of you use that extra hour to do something else? You got it. You know, funny thing how all that works together, right? Well, today what I would like to do is turn our attention to Psalm 23. And you're going to say, I already know that. I've memorized it when I was down there. And so it's so familiar that I'm going to get bored with it. I'm going to get this thing out of my way here. So I can see you and you can see me. But I want us to do something different. What I want us to do is, well, let me ask you. How many of you have read books or know of what it is that the shepherd in the Middle East would do as it relates to Psalm 23. Do you know what Psalm 23 is to a shepherd of sheep? Anybody? Right? Second, how many of you are aware that every single line that David penned in Psalm 23 is fulfilled by Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Did you know that? Okay. Welcome. We're going to try and do both of those. I know we don't have a whole lot of time, but we're going to go for it, all right? Let's get some glasses on so you can see what I'm doing. You have in your bulletin an insert that has Psalm 23 written there for you. 
Uh, because uh, there are some of you with the King James Bible, and by the way, I do work Friday and Saturday at uh, Tractor Supply, and it's amazing how many times the purchase price of what they have is $16.11. And so I say, do you not have any idea what happened in 1611? No. Well, in 1611, King Jimmy authorized the translation, writing, and printing of the very first English Bible, 1611. All right? So we need to understand that some of you are going to have the old King James, some of you are going to have the New International, some of you are going to have New American Standard, some of you are going to have the English Bible, on and on it goes. But what I want us to do is take Psalm 23 and just use the script that you have for you on the insert. But what I'd like for you to do is stand while we read the scripture. Would you do that with me, please? The Lord is my shepherd. You say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want... He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Lord God, it was you who inspired these words and use David to pen them, sing them, write them down so that we could see that today. Lord, I would pray that as even though this passage of Scripture is extremely familiar, that you would open to us a new view of who you are as you fulfill every line, And I pray, Lord, that you would draw us close to our wonderful shepherd and savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, today. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Will you take your Bibles now, and I hope you have your Bibles with you, and turn to John 10. John 10. In the passage of John 10, we read um, the parable of the good shepherd. And I'd like to share that with you this morning. And we're going to dovetail all of that together. In John 10, verse 1, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you. I'm reading New American Standard, by the way. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name 
and leads them out. When he puts forth his, all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door to the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture the thief comes only to steal and destroy and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is in hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he has a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my own. And my own know me. Even as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me. I lay it down of my own initiative. I have the authority to lay down my life. I have the authority to take it up again. This commandment I have received from my Father. When the Lord Jesus came, suffered and died on Calvary's cross, the Romans never killed him. The crucifixion did not take his life away from him. For in six hours, at the time of the evening sacrifice, the Lord Jesus laid down his life because he had the authority to lay it down and he had the authority to rise again three days later. Amazing. That's an Easter message. You got that one for free. All right. When we come to the Lord is my shepherd, and I'm, what I want to do is take a, the, a look at each one of these things because in it we're going to find not only how the shepherd takes care of his sheep, but also how the Lord Jesus fulfills every single line. Psalm 23 is a psalm of comfort, often used, frequently turned to. Many have found comfort, especially in grief. And I have no idea how many times I've used Psalm 23 for a funeral message. Charles Haddon Spurgeon called Psalm 23 the pearl of the Psalms. Alexander McLaren said the world could not could get along without many a large book better than a, this sunny little psalm. Though familiar, I want us to see something very, very powerful about it because the Lord 
is my shepherd. And the Lord is that God, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. He is loving, just, merciful, terrible God, and the creator, the preserver, and the controller of the entire universe. And guess what? He's mine. Not somebody else's. Mine. Um, Are you familiar with Ken Davis? He's a comedian, and he has a T-shirt that on the front of it, there's a picture of a lamb or a sheep, and he's holding the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, the, around the corner is the, is the wolf, and, and it, it looks pretty scary and all that. And then on the shirt it says, as the lamb is speaking, I'm with him. <laughs> Try it. That's what we need to claim. I'm with him. It's not about me. It's about him. I'm with him. John 10 verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them. When David wrote, The Lord is my shepherd, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep in John 10 verse 11. And if you want to take your uh, paper there and write a few notes along the way here. Um, that would certainly be appropriate for that. David writes, I never want because he's my shepherd. He is my shepherd, not only in joy, green pastures, still waters, overflowing cup, but also in the dark shadows, the death and the enemies. He is my shepherd. To complain or to say that we want something is to not believe the shepherd. It is not to believe and trust in the Lord. Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. And the word there is Sabaoth. You see, the word Sabbath, seventh day, is a day of rest. And the word Sabbath is used many, many times over, and it means rest. Does Sunday, first day of the week in celebration of the resurrection, does that mean rest to you? Rest in your shepherd where there is no lack of anything. Goes on to say, I, I, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. You may be familiar with also Andre Crouch's song, Through It All. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There have been times I didn't know right from wrong, but in every situation, God gave me Blessed consolation that my trials come only to make me strong. I've been to lots of places. I've seen a lot of faces. There's been times I felt so all alone. But in my lonely hours, just those precious, lonely hours, Jesus lets me know I was his own. I thank God for the mountains. I thank God for the valleys. I thank him for the storms he brought me through. For if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know 
that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon God's work. Is that where we go for our difficulties? Is that where we turn when we don't know what, where to turn? Do we turn to the scriptures? Do we find our answers there? The shepherd says, I'll show you something there. Because I'm going to lead you. You're not going to want. You're going to lay down in green pastures. How many times do we need rest? But often we don't know when to rest or even how to rest. The shepherd gently forces the sheep to lie down and eat green grass instead of running around. Someone has changed Psalm 23 to the Lord is my pacemaker, pace setter. God wants to be appropriated. Instead of saying as an onlooker or a tourist, oh, what a beautiful house. But as the owner, the one who lives there, yes, it's mine. Alice Hench Mortensen wrote a poem that expresses that thought in I needed the quiet. I needed the quiet, so he drew me aside into the shadows where we could confide, away from the bustle where all the day long I hurried and worried when active and strong. I needed the quiet, though at first I rebelled. But gently, so gently, my cross he upheld and whispered so sweetly of spiritual things, though weakened in body, my spirit took wings to heights never dreamed of when active and gay. He loves me so greatly, he drew me away. I needed the quiet, no prison my bed, but a beautiful valley of blessings instead, a place to go richer and Jesus to hide. I needed quiet, so he drew me aside. Yes, there are times when we need to be taken out of the busyness of our life so that we can rest and see him. The third one says here, he leads me to stilled water. The English language doesn't really help us here. And we write, we read in our English language, he leads you inside still waters. What does that say? Not much. You see, for a sheep, running water is a fearful thing. It would waterlog and drown the sheep. A sheep coming to a creek or a river or whatever will just stand there and look. I ain't drinking. This ain't going to work for me. So what the shepherd does is he loosens rocks and forms a dam so water still comes in, but there's no wave. And so the sheep can drink. Really, if we were honest about this particular phrase, we would read it. The Lord has, he leads me to rough water that God stills. Wow, doesn't that change things? 
He leads me beside quieted waters. Waters normally are not quiet, have now been made quiet by the shepherd. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, John 7, 37. He also said, I will give you living water. Unfortunately, my computer made an error. They forgot to put the number four. It's Luke or John 4. You can write that in. John 4, 11 or 10. There is no lack of refreshing. Remember when Jesus quieted the storm on the Sea of Galilee in Matthew 8, 23 to 27, Mark 4, 35 to 41, Luke 8, 22 to 25? And he was asleep in the back of the boat. Remember that? Prior to getting into the boat, Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Now, you and I can say, tomorrow I'm going to go wherever it is you want to go. I'm going to go to this town, that town, whatever, some farm auction. We don't know. We can't say, I will be there, can we? We don't know if we'll die in the night, the rapture will happen, or whatever will take place. But when Jesus says, we're going to go to the other side, you better know they're going to get there. Amen? Wow. He rebuked the wind and the sea, and he said, peace, be still. Have you ever been in a storm where there is wind, there is waves, it's really uh, going to town, as it were, and it stops instantly? It doesn't happen that way naturally. It peters out and gets less and less and less, but nothing in a storm stops, boom, does it? But when Jesus said, who is the master of the wind and the storm, peace be still, it was instantly no wind, instantly calm. That is what Jesus offers to us when we come to the quieted waters. All of us have storms. Will you let Jesus quiet your storm? The next line says, he restores my soul. Most of us can kind of rush over that one so quickly. I've got to have a stop for a moment, though. Because in the picture of he restores my soul, what is he restoring to? What is he restoring for? What is taking place that he needs a restoration? You and I have a sin nature. Little lambs, their nature is run away. Chase a butterfly. Go look for this fall into a hole, whatever. And we're not a whole lot different. Interestingly enough, Scripture calls us sheep. Those of you who have taken care of sheep know that uh, uh, 
Sheep aren't always the brightest thing in your pasture. Sometimes you, know, you wonder as a shepherd if you're so smart raising them. All right? The picture is little lamb takes off running. The picture is you and I take off running away from the shepherd. But the shepherd is willing to leave the 99 and look for the one, you, you, that's wandering. And when he finds it, he is wanting to restore that lamb. But you see, that lamb has had such a tendency to run, 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 that the shepherd takes the lamb and says, little lamb, and you, mom and dad, you've said this before. That's the last time you're going to do that. Right? We've said that. And so the shepherd says to the little lamb, that's the last time you're going to do that. So he takes one of the lamb's little legs. He breaks it. He breaks it. He immediately sets the broken leg but now the shepherd has a burden. I have to carry this little lamb because it's got a broken leg. And he carries you and I when he breaks our leg, as it were. By the time that the lamb's leg heals, but see, the shepherd has to say, here's something to eat. Here's some water. Take a little nap. He has to take him everywhere he goes. But by the time the little lamb's leg is healed, where do you suppose the little lamb wants to be? There, right beside the shepherd. Because a, a relationship has been taken care of. He has, what does it say there? He has restored my soul. There was a logger in Pennsylvania who I knew personally. His leg was broke up on the mountain by, because of a sprung limb. And as he lay in a hospital bed, he said to me, Ken, that limb and the rattlesnake den that I was in is not the cause of my broken leg. God broke my leg so I could lay in this hospital bed and heal and just look up. I have been restored to my Savior. Hebrews 12, 5 and 6 says, Do not despise the chastening of the Lord. God wants his best for us. And someone has said, The closer you walk with a shepherd, the farther you are from the wolf. Don't forget that line. The closer you walk with a shepherd, the farther you are from the wolf. But this, Jesus said, Son, your sins are forgiven. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from 
all unrighteousness. We are restored to right fellowship. Did you know that that's what he restoreth my soul meant? Interesting. It's a statement of discipline and correction and bringing back. But it could be easily missed. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. I've got a story for you. Pilot of a military plane was forced to parachute in a jungle of Southeast Asia. How would he possibly find his way out? A local man saw what had happened and came to the pilot's rescue, slashing through the tangled underbrush. The pilot cried out, where's the road? The rescuer shouted back, no road. I am the way. Follow me. And he was led to safety. Jesus said, I, singular, no one else, I, there is no other way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus said. Critics will call this teaching intolerance and divisive, but because the Son of God said it and the Word of God records it, it is true no matter how much it is challenged. Faith in God, in Jesus, is the only way to eternal fellowship with God. The pathway to God is not found by following a creed, developing moral character, or even attending church. It's found by trusting Jesus to forgive our sins, reconcile us to the Father. The only pathway to, the Lord, to God is through the Lord Jesus Christ. No one can bypass Jesus and get to heaven. But heaven, for the believer in Jesus Christ, is spelled H-O-M-E, home. He guides me along the way. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Notice that death is a shadow. For the individual that passes from this life into the next, through the doorway of death, it's I'm here, door opens, I go through, door closes. It's as simple as that. The shepherd brings us through even death's door. It is here that we have a change of pronoun also. There is a one courage that a sheep never has, and that's a courage to fight and face enemies. When the enemy strikes a sheep, they look to the shepherd for protection and, and continuous graze and feed. It is, takes courage to trust the Savior, the shepherd, and let Jesus fight the battle. Someone has said, when temptation knocks at the door, let Jesus answer it. You don't need to. That would solve a lot of problems, wouldn't it? Even though Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew 28, 20. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
Jesus said, I will give you another helper, a comforter, that is spirit of truth. No lack of comfort. I'm going to kind of push back beyond that one here. The, the rod and the staff are used to comfort, direct, control, rescue, pull them out of holes, whatever. But let me go on to the next one here. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Here's the picture of a, she, of a shepherd that is leading his flock. But in order for them to continue to have green pastures, they go from this meadow, but then they're going to have to go into higher elevation and higher elevation to find more green pastures because this is dried up. This one still has moisture. This one does too, so that there is green grass for them. But in order for the shepherd safely to bring his sheep into that field, he goes around and looks for snake holes. There are tiny adders that are in the fields, and there are holes all over the place. And so the shepherd goes and pours a ring of oil around every hole that he finds. Because when the snake comes up in the hole, wanting to latch onto the nose of the sheep, and suck it dry. Uh, that's not a pretty picture. Slides back down because of the oil. Then what the shepherd does, having gone all over this field before he lets the sheep in, now he lets the sheep in, but one by one as they go into there, he pours oil on every sheep's head. He anoints my head with oil. Reason for that is, is that the shepherd knows most likely, I missed a snake hole. But when the snake comes up and he sim smells the oil, I'll go somewhere else. He goes to another hole. I smell oil. But there's no oil on the hole. He smells the oil from the anointed head of the sheep and says, oh, better not go there. And so the Lord provides safety, security, and in the table before enemies, we can eat because the hole has been taken care of and the sheep's head has been anointed so that in safety they can eat. Isn't that a marvelous picture? And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the living bread. You've anointed my head with oil. We already touched on that. My cup overflows. Okay, we talked about the running stream, right? That doesn't work. Dam it up so that there can be quiet waters. Quieted waters, waters that are rough are now quiet. All right, let's go down to the area where there is no river. But there's a deep, deep well. Well, there is a cup. For the sheep to drink. And as the shepherd draws the water, pours it in there, he pours it until the bowl is full, and then he keeps on pouring gently just so that the water flows over the edge. Do you know that if the cup is not full, there will be waves in the cup, right? Because you're slopping it, splashing it. Now, a hireling would go, whoo, have it. Buddy, the shepherd 
gently, slowly pours the water in after it's full. So as it overflows, there is not a ripple in the cup that they're drinking from. Talk about grace and love. That's what a shepherd does. Jesus said, my joy will be in you and your joy will be made full because oil is a picture of joy. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. God is abundant in blessing and provision. The fatted calf is always ready. The robe is always the best. Joy is unspeakable and his peace passes all understanding. He has abundant pardon. David reflected on his life of, of pardons and blessings that he'd received in spite of himself. He declared that God sends his goodness and loving kindness and mercy in abundance. But notice that goodness and grace always precede mercy. God's goodness and grace are undeserved. His mercy does not give us what we do deserve. He is withholding what we deserve. You know what? In this world of rights, I want my rights, I want my privileges, I have my... Do you really want your rights? The Word of God says the wages of sin is death. Your paycheck for just showing up on the planet. Your wages, what you deserve, I deserve, is death. But you know something? I really, really, really believe in the inspiration of Scripture. Because if Paul would have written... The wages of sin is death, period, which is a complete grammatical thought, English people, right? The wages of sin is death, that's a complete thought. If there was a period at the end of the wages of sin is death, there'd be no hope for us and there'd be no reason for the rest of Scripture. None. But I believe that God told Paul, that's not the place for a period. That's the place for a semicolon or a comma. Because the thought is not over. The w- yes, the wages of sin is death. But! Sometimes there's a lot of theology in three-letter words like but. Right? Amen? The wages of sin is death. But! Okay. That's what we do deserve, which I don't want. I don't think you want it. And I tell people when I'm leading them to Christ, I say, you don't want that either, do you? Hello? But the gift of God, nothing you can do, nothing you can earn, nothing you can work for, nothing you can deserve, nothing you can merit, nothing you can nothing. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, here's the choice. You're in a fork in the road. You want to do, I want this because I deserve it, 
her. I don't deserve it, but I'll accept and receive your gift. What do you want? Deserve our gift. That's where we have to choose. Jesus said, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it, so don't worry about tomorrow. But he also says, believe in me. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. When David wrote verse 6, I'm almost done. Hope you're not worried. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David did not say, well, I hope I get to heaven. I hope I've been good enough. I hope something will turn the tide. I hope that my good will outweigh the bad. I went to church. I put money in the offering. I did it. Blah, blah, blah. David did not say anything of the kind. He said, I will. Some of them translated, I shall. And there is no question, no doubt. But why did he say that? Why did he say, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever? Because he said, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I've received, I've believed, I've trusted him. I know my sins are forgiven because he took care of it. Therefore, I can say, I will. I don't know when, but I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How about you? Is the Lord Jesus your shepherd, your Savior? Can I read one more story? I think you'll like this one. I thought my girl asleep in bed, but found her wide awake instead. I caught her peeking up at me saying, Mama, would you answer me? There's something that I think about I can't quite figure out. I know a shepherd is a man. How can a shepherd be a lamb? Today I heard Psalm 23. You read aloud the words to me. In there it says, I am the lamb and Jesus is my shepherd man. But Jesus Christ is also called a sacrifice, a lamb of God. Oh, mama, I don't understand. How can my shepherd be a lamb? Listen, child, and you will find a paradox as old as time. This lamb alone who makes you whole became the shepherd of your soul. Honey girl, you know it's true. The shepherd watches over you. With greenest grass, he keeps you fed. By still waters, you are led. Your soul's restored to God again no matter what you've done or been. When you trust in Christ, the shepherd man, for the, your shepherd is the great I am. How better can he show his care than as a lamb your sins to bear? Who better than a shepherd can know just how to be a lamb? Christ was spotless, perfect, pure. His death has made for sin a cure. And though you may not understand this, this shepherd is the sacrificial lamb 
you know that your shepherd is the lamb. It is awesome to know that in each one of these situations here, each one of these phrases, there is a shepherd's view, and then Jesus in the New Testament fulfills every single one of them. I trust that the next time you read Psalm 23, it will not be ho-hum boring, but instead you're going to remember that Jesus is the shepherd lamb. Heavenly Father, you are so gracious and loving. You provided a way for us to believe and trust in you. And I would pray that each one here would know that Savior in a personal way. If perchance there is one who has not, may today be the day that they say, I want Jesus to be my Savior, my shepherd, because I want to also say, I will dwell in the house of the Lord, and heaven for me is going to be H-O-M-E, home. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have any questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com or email me directly at luke at livinghopehenderson.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.